Okay, hello and welcome to episode one of uh, my other podcast. Now, I'll admit this is not the first episode that I had planned to do. Um, I had planned on recording a few of these and putting them out on Mondays, and I started doing, you know, kind of putting some of these together a few weeks ago, and I was going to put an episode out, and then um, this national conversation starts with um, a tragic video. And so we have been in going on two weeks of um, this Black Lives Matter conversation that is, I mean, I can't look at social media without seeing things about it. And not that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that um, there's some things that are coming up that I didn't anticipate having to grieve or I didn't anticipate having to um, to deal with. And I think that, you know, speaking of grief, I feel like maybe we've been in that kind of grieving mindset for months now with the coronavirus starting and people losing jobs and certainty and this, you know, um, stuff that we had planned for how 2020 was going to go. Uh, and so now we're grieving the loss of that. And then in the middle of that, uh, the Ahmad Arbery video comes and we see this senseless killing uh, and this um, vigilante justice kind of thing happen um, that, well, I, and I use air quotes on vigilante justice, but we see this video and there's this uproar and people are like, well, this is a problem. And then it's amplified just to the max, like overflow, like the line was crossed with the, the George Floyd video. And so... Um, we've just been in crisis after crisis after crisis. And um, for me, I, I, you know, it's impossible to expand on everything that surrounds this stuff. But I wanted to take a second and talk about a pretty specific type of grief that I didn't know I was going to have to deal with right now. Because obviously social media is a cesspool. Social media is sucks. <laughs> like it's just, it's not great. Um, and I, if honestly, if it wasn't part of my job, I, I probably would have backed out of it by now, but there's multiple layers of the grief because now not only am I grieving what we lost with coronavirus, right? Like not only am I grieving that I lost gigs, that my income is different, that maybe I don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like now. Um, and I'm grieving the loss of the amount of control I had. I'm grieving that people are losing their jobs left and right. And there's just so much uncertainty. Uh, and I'm grieving that, you know, on top of that, I'm having to grieve that people are sharing information on social media that is verifiably incorrect. You know, like people that I look up to and respect in my own community, not just like celebrities or whatever, but like people I know, you know, um, sharing things that you're just like, those, those numbers are, there's no way that's true. Like, and if you just do a quick Google search, I can find 15 sources to discredit that stuff like that, where you're like, Oh, I, I thought that, Hmm, it's interesting that you shared that, you know, and that's where we're at with this now too, with this race conversation is First, I have to grieve and sit here and go, oh my gosh, these this video, this these are tragedies. This is awful. This feels terrible to watch this and know that this happens. And then the fact that, uh, especially in the, the Georgia case, those men weren't brought to justice until there was a video that there was a social outcry for it, you know? Um, and so 
I'm grieving that. And then I have to grieve when people that I considered mentors or people that I respect and know in my community share things. Um, they share their anger and their cynicism uh, and their racism. And uh, like, for example, like, I mean, like the thing that set me off this week was I saw a pastor that I, I got lunch with when I was in high school, share a picture of a noose. And he said that, you know, these protests were a way of lynching the police officers uh, without giving them due trial. And it was just kind of like, dude, read the room, man. Like, how are you that tone deaf? Like, I didn't think that of you. Right. And so now I'm having to grieve the loss of what I thought that person was. Does that make sense? So I shared that sentiment on social media. I said, um, I'm sad seeing people that mentored me in high school or poured into me and helped develop my faith, sharing things or making vocal stances that seem to be in contradiction to the values that they taught. Right. And I was just sharing it. Um, I shared it on my personal profile first. And I was surprised the number of people who were like, oh my gosh, yes. Like it is devastating to watch someone you looked up to and thought, man, this is a person of great faith and someone of humility um, seemingly going just so far against that to be boastful and proud and ignorant. And so there's a loss of respect, you know? And, and, and so I got pushed back in the comments of people who are like, well, you put your trust in man and not God. And that's what, and you're like, okay, well, my faith isn't shaken by this. My faith in that person is, I think that's fair. So what do we do with that grief? I feel like we've just been in months of months of grieving. Um, and I think for people in, in maybe my age group, I'm in my twenties, uh, my mid twenties, uh, people that, I don't know. I just think that we've been experiencing this grief and there's a lot of, it seems like a lot of people don't know what to do with it. Like we've just got so, heartbreaking thing after heartbreaking thing. And people are saying, well, what do I even, how do I even keep going? Like this just hurts over and over again. I just want to, I just want to to stop. I want to give up. Right. So, um, I wrote down some thoughts and I just wanted to share them and, um, about grief specifically. Again, I can't cover everything in the race conversation. Um, and I do think that black lives matter. I think that we have to say that and recognize that and stand with black communities as they are, um, they're, they're crying out saying there there's injustice happening and to deny that, that there's racism in this country is is just your privilege, honestly. So what do we do with that grief? Um, and, and this is just stuff that I've, I've been learning by dealing with my own grief, you know? Uh, I think the first thing that we have to do, the only thing we, or not the only thing, but the one thing that we, we can do right now is to, to experience that grief and not try to avoid that. Uh, we have to like sit in it. We have to allow that to affect us. So like when I see something heartbreaking, it'd be very tempting just to just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to avoid that. I'm not going to look at social media anymore. I'm not going to see what's going on. I'm just going to unplug, disconnect, run away from, I'm going to shut that down because I don't want, 
I can't handle that. And if that's what you need to do, you need to take a break. Sure. Like, I think that's acceptable, but don't avoid that forever. You know, when you see something heartbreaking, allow that to affect you sit in it. Like notice how it affects your body, how it affects you physically. Like we're not floating heads. Like when you get nervous, you have butterflies in your stomach. And when you get angry, like the blood rushes to your face and you feel hot, right? Like your body has a physiological, physiological, physiological <laughs> reaction. <laughs> and you have to, I think one of the main things is just sitting in that and noticing how does this affect my body? How does this affect me physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? Breathing in and out. And that's another thing that has helped me a lot with anxiety or grief is taking a breath in the middle of it and going, oh, no, I'm still alive. So this didn't kill me. You know, um, this hurts, this sucks, but I'm not dead. Right. So uh, allowing it to affect you, feel the heaviness in your shoulders, that fatigue, that restlessness. And this was one of the most profound things. I don't know if you're a Jesus follower, but this is one of the most profound things to me about God embodying the flesh of Jesus is that he fully experienced these emotions, right? He wept when Lazarus died, even though he knew that he was going to raise him to life. He still wept and he mourned that loss. And he, uh, he sweat drops of blood in the garden before he's crucified. The Bible describes that in Luke as anguish is a deep anguish. And so it hurts that way because your heart is still tender, because your heart is still vulnerable and open to those emotions. That's why it still hurts, right? The second thing you got to do with grief is to share that with other people. Talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody else who is grieving, you know, open, like surround yourself with people who are open and listen and talk about how it hurts you, what you lost, right? Talk about how like, like I'm like, I've done with my friends this week of, man, it sucks to have looked up to someone and realized that they're, they're not what they, they, what you thought they were. That's something specific that I've grieved this week, you know? And it's not that like, I believe this person is gone or, you know, no longer loved by Jesus. It's just that now that I know that our relationship has to change, right? Like there's a, there's going to be a difference in boundaries now. Um, and a difference in understanding because I thought we were on the same page and clearly we're not. So there's a loss there. And so I'm grieving the loss. And I'm going to let that affect me uh, and experience that loss. I think that's the, the important first step, right? So I want to talk to other people who understand that. And if you're the friend that someone opens up about their grief or they share that, can I just give you some advice that I got when I first started working in youth ministry and I didn't know how to counsel students? Some of the best pastorly advice that I ever got. And if you work at a church or you work in any kind of ministry or you just want to be better at counseling and being a friend to somebody, uh, you want to write this down. All right. Two very important words that someone told me. Are you ready? Uh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. That's it. It's not hard. It's crazy. Two words. Shut up. Because I think one of our tendencies is to, is to dive in and be like, okay, here's what you should do. Here's what went wrong. Of course, man, let you down. You put your trust in God or whatever Hobby Lobby sign you can come up with. Just just stop. right? I think that's one of our tendencies, especially when uh, black communities are crying out and saying like, man, we are – we're hurting because this is this is a reality. This is happening to us. And so many people, instead of going, hey, I'm with you. I see that that's reality. That being their first step, they go to, well, what do you want me to do about it? Like, what am I supposed to, like, what's the solution here? And I think one of the things that we look for solutions as a response to pain is because, like, even if we have good intentions, we just want to get rid of pain. 
Like that's it. Like we go, oh well, you know, I just want to offer a ten-step plan or an encouraging, catchy phrase. But can I tell you that community isn't built with cliches? It's built with compassion, right? Romans twelve fifteen says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep." And so we should normalize the practice of sitting together rather than solving. Solutions are important, no doubt, right? And if there is an identifiable solution, we should pursue that. But let's first understand the problem and understand the problem's impact on people by allowing that to impact us, right? Like I'm a white man. I am not as heavily, I'm not impacted by police brutality. That's never, like when I get pulled over, I am never uh, afraid. I am always just like, this is wildly inconvenient. I was on my way and I was going fast to get there, right? But the reason that this issue affects me is because it affects people that I love and care about. And so I'm going to allow their pain to affect me and empathize and comfort and validate before I jump in with solutions. Does that make sense? So I think that that's one thing like during all this, like we have to be aware of our grief. We have to allow ourselves room to, to mourn that, you know? Uh, and, and, and like I just said before, like what grief ultimately leads to is wisdom. It says that in Solomon wrote that in Ecclesiastes, grief leads to wisdom, right? Because now when I'm grieving the loss of that friendship, right? Like it, it's going to look different now, right? So now I'm exercising wisdom of, okay, now I have new information. I see this differently. I understand this differently. And so now I have to make a change. And what, what happens, like, have you ever asked somebody who's just gone through a rough time? Like they, you know, maybe they lost somebody important to them or they just did a big career change. They moved across the country. They made a, like a big change has happened to them, not necessarily by their choice. Right. Have you ever asked that person, uh, about that time in their life? You ask like, how was that first, how was those, how was that year for you? How was those, that first few months of that? I mean, what do they usually say? Right. They go, well, I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> you know, like when we, when we lose something that we're attached to, a part of us goes with it. And so we learn something about ourselves because of what we had attached to that. Does it make sense? So if you lose a job, like with the coronavirus stuff, uh, and I'm losing gigs, and now my job doesn't look the way that it does. Now, now I'm learning that I had put my security in that income, or maybe I had put my identity in that performance. Or when you lose a loved one, like if you're like when when you lose someone close to you, um, or someone has lost someone close to them, you'll say things like, "Man, I I took them for granted, or I took our time for. I don't want to take my life for granted. I don't want to take our time together for granted because that grief." leads you to go, oh man, I wish that I had invested in that person more before they were gone. So now I'm going to take that knowledge from that hurt of like, oh, I regret not doing that. And I'm going to channel that into the relationships I currently have. Does that make sense? That leads to like a wisdom. Maybe you put your trust in a system and that system's failed and now you're exposed. It produces a change in us. It forces us to adjust and re-examine the things that we've attached to, right? And so when we avoid grief, if we allow ourselves to avoid that, what we're attempting to do is protect our heart, right? Because we're trying to like guard our heart or whatever. But in the process of doing that, you're hardening your heart. 
right? Like the reason that this grief hurts so much and this heartbreak is, you know, this, these past few months have just been so heavy is because our hearts are still tender and open to this. If you're watching stuff in the news right now and you're not going, oh my gosh, then can I suggest that you might have a hardened heart? And when we think of a hardened heart, we think of one that's bitter and harbors anger and is judgmental, right? Like we think of like the angry people and we, we think that that's caused just because they're judgmental or, you know, think they're better than somebody. But, but what I think it is, is that it's a result. It's not just a result of buried anger, right? All of those things are a pushed away grief, a result of grief that has not been process grief that has not been channeled grief that has not been dealt with if i don't grieve the loss then i become bitter that the result i expected didn't come to fruition right like if i don't grieve a torn relationship then i can't see past their transgression to identify my own role in it if i don't if i don't grieve the lack of satisfaction that i got from something right like i thought if i just if i worked hard and achieved this goal that I would be satisfied. And I got there and I wasn't satisfied. So I can either grieve that loss or go, oh man, that sucks that this did not satisfy the way that it promised. Or I can just lean in harder, set a new goal and just keep doing this cycle. And without even trying, I build a wall around my heart in an attempt to keep pain out. And then what I do is I isolate and I can't let other emotions in. I can't let other people in and I can't let God in. Right. And so the hardened heart can't fully experience the presence of God because it didn't experience the results of his absence. Right. It hasn't experienced what happens when a system is run apart from the ways of God. It hasn't fully experienced the results of a hope rooted in something other than his goodness and his presence. There's a kingdom sized hole in all of us, which is why this injustice hurts. Why this creates such an ache in our souls is that we desire the kingdom of God and we're heartbroken when we're reminded that we're still on this side of it. It doesn't matter how much progress we make. Right? We can compare to 10 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago and see, like, see, things are better than they were. But the fact that it's still not what we see and are hope for in the kingdom of God is just not enough for us because we so desire the kingdom where the atrocities that we're seeing aren't even an option. Right, So that grief gives us wisdom and allows us to experience pain, dive deep into the bottom of it, and come out the other side. Not battered and beat up, but aware, dripping with the truth of redemption, and we're joyful. Because we can remain tender and open because we learned how to process grief, realign, and move with God into healing. Right? And that's what I hope that this this darkness is this time of you know when we're sitting here going like there's what's next <laughs> you know we're sitting here like it's almost like we're sitting at night just waiting for a sunrise like it's just like oh my gosh more darkness like another hour of this and can i suggest that like this night this tomb this these ashes wherever we're at right now this is where revival begins right? Like where a resurrection takes place because throughout scripture and history and in my own life, moments like this are not the end of God's work, but the beginning of a new one. They're not the end of God's work, but this is the beginning of a new one where maybe we can take our grief, we can, our heart can break for the world, 
And maybe we can realign and we can take a step back and it begins with prayer. It begins with us submitting ourselves to God and saying, God, I maybe I misunderstood what was happening. Maybe I did have a trust in a system that is clearly working for me, but not working for everyone. Maybe I did have a trust in those people or that person, and they've they've shown that we're not on the same page. God, would you show me how to heal that? Would you show me how to have those conversations? God, would you heal that in my own heart? Maybe I thought that I wasn't a person who was contributing to this issue. But would you would you expose those things in me so that I can be a part of healing and your presence in this world because your kingdom is where these things don't happen. And if I'm a person who's following you, that means that I want your kingdom to be here. So show me how to do that. And that starts with our personal revival, right? That starts with us on our knees, pleading with God, God, I want to be a part of changing this. And I want to be changed by your spirit. And so I think that this is where God's work begins in ushering in a new what a new era, a new uh, you know phase, a new what I just believe that God is going to move in these next few months and this year, and then maybe we can look back and say, "Wow, I you know." I learned a lot about myself during that time. I hope that's what our response can be to this. Right? But I think more than anything, we have to take time to grieve the losses that we're experiencing, keep our hearts open so that we can grieve with others. Uh, and in that way, that's already a form of healing. That's already a form of coming together and bringing the kingdom of God here. And so I don't have like, I don't have answers. I wish that I did. Um, and I don't know, I don't know when things will be, you know, there's no normal anymore. So my prayer is that God would just um, show me what's in my heart so that I can stop contributing to a system that is hurting other people, whether that's race or whether that's a church system that's overlooking someone. Um, and then I can, I just, I don't want my heart to be hardened. I, I want to, as much as it sucks, like I want to sit in this heartbreak and I want to learn from it and grow from it. Uh, and, and, and lean on others and help other people who are also heartbroken. So anyway, this is my other podcast. This is what it's going to be. I'm just going to rant for a little bit, <laughs> kind of share my thoughts and, and what I've thought. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just hope that, that peace and, uh, prayer are where you're going to root yourself this week as we, lean into this new moment, this new time of there's so much uncertainty and there's so much anxiety and there's so much chaos happening around us. Uh, and this is where I believe that God's work is getting ready to start. And I am, I am wanting to be a part of that so badly. And I hope that you are too. So uh, thanks for listening to this. And yeah, this is my other podcast.